Is there no balm in Gilead? I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How do you make a way when there seems to be no way? How do you make a way when all you can see is a brick wall in front of you, all roads closed before you? When you're faced with an enemy bearing down on you, your land destroyed, ruined by drought, no harvest coming, an exile looming, how do you make a way out of no way? When you've just been fired from your job, accused of theft and mismanagement, but you're too weak to dig and too ashamed to beg, how do you make a way? When people suffer crippling debt because they've had a health crisis and not enough or no insurance, when people fear they have no future because it's only going to be gobbled up by medical payments until they die, what way are they supposed to take? When guns litter the land, allowing people to wreak carnage in our schools and theaters, our festivals and places of worship, and here on the streets of Indianapolis, how are we going to make a way? And when global warming has become a climate crisis as we face temperatures rising year after year, land parched, ice sheets melting, the rainforest burning, what's the way forward? in a land and a time when change seems impossible. How, how do you make a way out of no way? When you can't see a way clear in what seems like an utterly stuck situation, it can be hard not to lose hope. There's a wall in front of you and there's no clear way around it. And it seems we're in a time of impasse in society, so many problems, but we disagree about solutions. Heck, we even disagree about facts, unable to find the truth in a world of fake news and accusations of it. When facing what seems like an impossible situation, when we cannot see a way forward, who can be blamed for losing hope, for giving up, for retreating into their own lies, turning off the news, for asking, what can I, one person, do? After all, how can you make a way out of no way? Now that's a good question, and it's one that's been asked and answered all throughout Scripture. When people are up against a wall, they find out that God has a way. Escaping slavery pursued by Egyptians and coming up against a wide river, the Israelites learned God's way was to part that river so they could walk right through. In Isaiah, God declares, Behold, I am doing a new thing. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
God makes a way even when we cannot see one. But sometimes we can only see that way when we've become so lost, so stuck, so tired, so dead to our old ways and solutions that we are now open to the new way of God. When all ways seem blocked, when there is no way through, then another way must arise. And ways, ways are being opened, friends. Just two days ago, just two days ago, young people organized and led a global climate strike around the world with millions participating from New York to Nairobi, Berlin to Karachi. These youth, inspired by Greta Thunberg, and are demanding that we, we think of their future. And they poured into the streets and they made demands that would have been unthinkable even a year ago. They drew such sharp attention to next week's United Nations Climate Summit that hundreds of media outlets around the world have agreed to focus for a whole week on the climate crisis. Suddenly, suddenly, in a crisis that seemed unstoppable, inevitable, there's a sliver of light, a way, opening. And just three days ago, a few hundred people gathered by faith in Indiana crowded into a church up on Michigan Road, and this was an action meeting, the kind where we demonstrate to those invited elected officials that we might not have financial power, but boy, do we have people power. These meetings are dynamic, filled with testimony about a problem in our community, and then we put the government leader on the hot seat and we ask him or her to sign on to working for justice. But last Thursday, last Thursday, that action meeting was different. It was not confrontational. It was all joy, for we gathered after years of lamenting gun violence in Indianapolis, and we gathered in joy because the mayor's office has just this summer put in place strong measures proven to work elsewhere in the country to reduce gun violence. And these measures are about helping those who cause the violence, not just about incarcerating them. It's a hopeful approach. It allows those close to the problem to make decisions and to do the work rather than merely responding with more force, more police, more jail. A new way in the face of an old, old problem where we couldn't see a way out. Finally, a couple years ago, the comedian John Oliver on his show Last Week Tonight with John Oliver had a 20-minute segment on medical debt. He explored the predatory nature of debt collectors on the show, those who buy medical debt for pennies on the dollar and then hound those who are now in their debt. Oliver saw a way forward. He created his own debt-buying company. He named it Central Asset Recovery Professionals, Inc., or CARP for short, after the bottom-feeding fish. Then CARP purchased $15 million worth of medical debt for $60,000. For $60,000, Oliver now held names, current addresses, social security numbers for 9,000 people, and he could start harassing them for that $15 million. 
Instead, instead, he forgave all of it, freeing people from crushing debt and a bleak future. Oliver imagined a way out of no way, and now many churches are following suit. A way has opened, and now people are walking in it. Overwhelming problems that breed hopelessness in individuals and in whole communities. New solutions. They're not perfect. They won't bring about the kingdom of God but they are a way forward, a start, a glimmer of light. And that springs out of hope, a hope that is placed in our breasts by our God of hope, a God who makes paths straight. When we know in our bones that our God, our God is a God who makes a way, that then we are able to have hope to make a way too glimmers of hope for our beautiful world, our violence-strewn city, for those crushed by debt. Now, what does all of that have to do with a shrewd steward who lost his job? What does it have to do with the people facing destruction who've been warned by a prophet over and over again to repent, a prophet who now laments their oncoming destruction? Well, in Jesus' radical, ridiculous, over-the-top parable, we have a suddenly out-of-work manager who's lost everything. He's up against a wall. He's too weak to dig, and he's too ashamed to beg, and suddenly he sees a fresh way. Forgive debts, make a couple friends, and suddenly he and they are free. He goes from being a pariah to being praised by his master for being so shrewd. A man who thought his life was over created a new life for those crushed by debt and gave a vision to his master of forgiveness. How's that for a new way? And in Jeremiah, a community utterly lost, so lost that the prophet can only lament the people, the city he loves. My joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick, he cries out. And in a turn that makes it hard to distinguish between the prophet and God, we hear this. For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Judgment is upon the people, all will be destroyed, the people taken into exile, and all that's left to do is weep with compassion for these people whom both Jeremiah and God love. Apparently, the place famous for its soothing ointment, the balm that heals physical ailments, apparently that place is now without a way to heal itself. For now, there is no way. We know the people went into exile. We know they languished there for a few generations. What a plaintive, sorrowful question. Is there no balm in Gilead?
Is there no balm in Gilead? Twenty-three centuries later, an African-American spiritual answers that question. There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. You see, if there was ever a people steeped in making a way from no way, it's those who know exile in their bones. Those whose people were brought here for slavery, those who worked for generations without release, yet there was a trust in a God who makes seas part, makes ways in the wilderness, gives children to old women and to young virgins, who responds to our oppression, our sinfulness, our hopelessness, with a radical, ridiculous hope, a hope born in a manger, a hope nailed to the cross, a hope that brings life out of death, a hope that promises that there is a way out of no way. Jeremiah could barely see the hope. He thought there was no balm left for a broken people, broken by their own sin, broken as they chose idols of money and self over God, broken as they harmed the land and oppressed the poor. But 2,300 years later, another people proclaimed, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. A proclamation that we'll hear in our communion anthem today. When there seems to be no way, when the walls are closing in, when all seems hopeless, trust the God who makes a way out of no way. Trust that there is balm in Gilead, a balm for our sin-sick souls to make us whole, you and me. The balm that is grace to set us free. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.